The idea for the Broad Story Project began in 2020, when the nation was in lockdown due to COVID-19 and political and racial upheaval was at its peak. Great Old Broad's board member, Sue S. Jacobson, found solace in her memories of a long-awaited trip to the Boundary Waters. It restored her connection to nature's resilience and brought her comfort during this trying time. It inspired her to seek stories from others that brought forth hope and resilience. Hi, this is Suez Jacobson, and today we're lucky to have Betsy Marston with us. Hi, Betsy. It's great to have you. Oh, hi, Suez. It's, it's wonderful to talk to you. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got where you are, and then how you got involved with Broad. I used to be a TV producer for Channel 13 in New York, and my husband was a physicist. Uh, he taught at various colleges. And in our early 30s, we were fed up and we were unhappy and nobody leaves the place unless they are dissatisfied. And we struck out for uh, this little town of Peonia in western Colorado, very rural, based on coal mining and farming, a lot of fruit farming. And we had built a cabin at 9,600 feet near Lost Lake. So we knew the area, and we came out for the summer with our two kids under four. And we lived in the cabin, and we we said, uh, let's take a year off. Let's not go back this time. So we rented our house, rented a house in Peonia, and we're living close to nature at last. And in my backyard is a mountain. It's not a big mountain by Colorado standards. It's 11,400 feet. And I look at it in the winter when it's covered in snow, and that's my my drinking water. And that's our irrigation water. It's everything. And, of course, that's changing now as there's later snow and earlier runoff. But uh, we pretty much realized after living here for four months, that we didn't want to leave. Uh, the city seemed far away, and it didn't seem to be as satisfying as finding out who we were living with. And these were really interesting people who make a living in, on, on the land. And we started a little paper, a community paper, North Fork Times. And before we knew it, we were in business. We loved it. I mean, you could go around asking people, why do you have sheep, and why do you have all these cows? And anyway, we were totally dumb about everything, but thrilled with it. And people would tell us their stories. Betsy shared how she became involved with Broads when she met Susan Touche, who was a driving force in the founding of the organization. Somehow, though, how I met Susan Touche, I don't know if I got a press release probably came in the mail in those days. We're in the 70s here. But I met her, and, and she told me about Great Old Broads. And I went on some excursions with the group and just loved it. I thought it was unique and ironic and funny. And the idea that a man could be a Great Old Broad in spirit, and I thought that was charming. And I wanted to get out more. My husband, Ed, and I were great hikers. We loved to walk. We never were interested in climbing anything with ropes. We just wanted to walk. And Great Old Broads encouraged that. 
And the politics of it appealed to me, too, because I guess I've always been involved in something, civil rights as a kid, the women's movement in, in New York, uh, the environmental movement here in the West, uh, and the idea of women banding together to get change. I just thought it was a unique uh, approach, and and maybe one that federal land management people might listen to. That's fabulous. So you've been living in Paonia for all these years and finding that solace of being close to nature. And as you said, your drinking water is right there. So tell us a story about being in place or one of those great hikes that you've done. Oh, well, I this is odd, but as you or maybe not odd, maybe it happens to many, many people. But as you get older... It gets hard sometimes to get to sleep, and and my mind tumbles, and it goes in erratic places, and I can't I can't focus, and so I I reenact a favorite hike that we took from our cabin. We would start out at Lost Lake Slough, and then walk up the trail to the true Lost Lake, walk around the lake, and up through a pretty heavily wooded place, very steep. And in my mind, I'm I'm walking on, on ground that I don't know for how many <laughs> thousands or millions of years has been covered with dust. And there are holes in the pine needles and you can see down for maybe a couple of feet. And I, I reenact this hike and I realize it is my favorite place to be. It's outside. The wind is blowing. It's not that hot because you're up so high. And what, halfway up is this incredible little depression filled with water. And in the middle is a tiny island. And you can walk to it. And you can sit on the island. And you're halfway up a mountain. So you have this glorious view of peaks. And you're tired. But you're not really tired because it's beautiful. And it's fun. And the next half is boulder hopping and you reach snow and later on you can fly down the snow and to get to the peak there are two ways and here's the real crux because when we were in our 30s we would go up what we called a chimney and it was straight up and you could not fall because you would tumble and the other way in later decades we would go up the rock slide and that would take you to the peak of East Beckwith which is about a 12-8 I think and you can sign in, which is a lot of fun. So this is the hike that makes me alive again and yet peaceful. And I feel this sense of accomplishment. <laughs> I have actually gone up this mountain and I've done it alone several times. Uh, although I shouldn't say alone because I brought a dog, always named Buster. Uh, my husband always named every dog Buster. Don't ask why, but it's just the thing that works for me and somehow or another I get to sleep because I never find myself coming off the mountain so I'm up there in perpetuity. We all have those really special places and especially now when there's so much uh, I guess you could say trauma in the world we're facing it's always great to return to those places. Mm. Have you found yourself using these kinds of places to find solace? Well, I'm lucky enough, I know I'm lucky enough to live 
uh, in a place that is so close to nature, so so embedded uh, with the outdoors. There are foxes nearby, and as the day turns to dusk, bees come out and bluebirds and robins uh, have a lot of birds. I feel that nature is really all around me in the backyard. I think it was Thomas Hayden who said, who you are is what you see out of your kitchen window. What I see is my garden, a chaotic place where everything's growing at once, and this mountain behind it. I I just know I'm so lucky. My son and his wife and their five-year-old are visiting, and in New York, they are trapped. Uh, they must go down 18 floors in an elevator, and people are scared to ride with them. It's just, I, we are going through a nightmare of hell, and I don't even think we know how deeply it's affecting us. But, but I, I, you know, I can't complain. I have a local pool 10 miles away, an outdoor pool, and what could be better than uh, than water in the desert to jump into? I just don't want to complain about anything because I know I have a life that's relatively unfettered. I can take my dog on a walk to a ditch. I can climb a mountain and there, how many people will I see? One, two? I mean, the West offers so much isolation if you want it and so much beauty. I can see why people from the East are are beginning, well, they're trying to move here and we don't have anything to move to, unfortunately. We don't have that many houses in this little town. Well, do you have, like, one piece of advice you'd give to people who maybe aren't quite as lucky? Well, in my uh, working life, I, I have to go to a computer every day and work with writers. But what sustains me is books. I think sometimes I live to read. I just love fiction, all kinds of fiction, old, new. That's kind of where I think many of us go to be in other people's lives and figure things out and get crushed and come back. or I just think literature, I really could not exist without books. Yeah, there's nothing like a good story, and that's why we're telling that's stories. Right. And yeah. We thank you. We thank you so much for your story, Betsy, for being with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Don't miss the next episode of the Broad Story Project. You'll find links to other stories on our website under News 